Hey guys, it's Suli. Welcome back to Trauma and Healing Go Hand in Hand. I apologize for not posting anything since Donovan's story. I know that you guys sometimes wait for me to post again, and I'm sorry that I've been so busy with work and life that I haven't been able to post. I'm happy that you guys seem to like his story. His story was a different perspective than what we're used to, like my interviews with someone, some of my other friends that have, have dealt with trauma. I'm happy that you guys like it and enjoy it. I'm happy to do different perspectives, I'm not going to lie. Today's episode will be a little different because, yes, I will be sharing someone's story, but this is my first write-in, and that's why I guess it took me a little while to want to record it because she wrote her story to me down in an eight-page essay, like I like to say. I will try to read as much as I can and then give my advice on it. I will stop here and there and give you advice on what I think I can help on. Honestly. I was very nervous to record this episode. I'm happy she trusts me enough to share her story. And I hope what she's sharing will help you. Remember, like I always say, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be completely healed. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to cry. It's it's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel like you don't feel okay. Because you can't breathe sometimes. And that's normal. It comes with healing. But just because you're healing from trauma does not mean that trauma did not happen. Just remember my podcast is a safe space. I don't judge you for what you share with me. I'm gladly happy to share your stories with the world. Remember, maybe what you share or I share with you will help you or help someone out there that thinks that they're alone when you're not. Remember, you are never alone. Now, like I always say, <laughs> sorry, when I have an episode that like has trauma and stuff in it, it's a trigger warning. Listen to this cautionary tale with discretion. Mind you, there can be stuff that we talk about that will hurt or trigger something. And if, again, you can't completely hear the episode, then I'm okay with that. Just join me for the ride on this story, and I will try to give my advice as much as I can. And it starts out like this. My name is Savannah, and this is my story. I grew up in Utah my whole life. I was the youngest of five kids. I grew up Mormon. We had a normal life growing up. My father travels for work, and my mother was a stay-at-home mom. My life changed when my parents got separated, and when I was a freshman in high school, it was just me and my youngest brother at home still. Everything was different. We had to split our time between parents, and I felt like once everybody knew, they would think differently of me. I was already bullied a lot due to my weight growing up, and not only from people at school, but also from my own family. As time went on, my father was seeing us less and less. It wasn't from our lack of trying. It started to feel like he would only see us when it was convenient for him. He introduced us to his girlfriend, who was 20 years younger than him. I later found out that he was, that it was the woman my father cheated on my mother with. Please remember, bullying hurts people, regardless of the age, regardless of how old you are, or how emotionally and mental you feel prepared for. It is not okay to bully people. Whether you're a friend or family, it is not okay because it does affect the person you're bullying. It affects them very deeply and they their emotions can take them into very dark places and that's not fair. So please remember to be kind to one another, to be nice to each other. And if there's things that you think that someone should change, talk to them about it. Don't use it as a way to make them feel weaker because you want to feel stronger. Please remember to be kind to everyone. I played sports all growing up. 
My fa- my mother put me in everything when I was younger to find what I loved most. I fell in love with volleyball and softball. I played volleyball all through school until high. I played softball all through school and did competitive traveling team. Or competition travel team. Sorry. It was something I was good at and it was mine and no one could take it from me. I could give my father my schedule for games and I would get my hopes up that he would come watch his daughter play. And each game I was disappointed. It came to a point that I stopped telling him about my games. That way, I wouldn't get my hopes crushed anymore. I'm sorry that happened to you. I know what it feels like to be disappointed. But I'm happy that you're stronger now than you were before. One night, my mother went out of town, or went out, I can't recall. It was just me and my brother at home. We were fine until we kept hearing a lot of cops, cars coming and going from our cooled the stack and we started to we started to get scared because we didn't know what was going on my father had texted me to see how we were doing and i told him what was going on so he drove to the house and tried to force us to go with him i told him that i didn't want to go and he kept trying to take us to make us go anyway so i called my sister who came home and was telling him that we were not going he ended up getting his way and forcing us into a car as i was kicking his human crying that i didn't want to go it was a very traumatic night and one that i will never forget it was the only time he showed me that he cared about us. My father had a problem with being an alcoholic. He would drink a lot, and then he would be overly friendly, grabby, drunk. He would grab my shoulder really tight until it would hurt, not knowing his own strength. We are at his house one night and had a few friends over. I was drinking, he kept trying to grab me, so I ran into my bedroom and locked the door and texted my brother to come help. He ran upstairs and made my, my dad move from the bathroom door as he was banging on it. My father, my brother stood in the way as I ran down to my downstairs to my room and locked myself in until morning. I was in Sturgis, South Dakota for the bike rally, working for my older brother and father. My father and all the co-workers went to, to a concert. We were all having fun and a good having a good time until he started to drink again. He got drunk and started to reeve a complete stranger's motorcycle. So the person rightfully got mad and started yelling at my father. He brushed it off like it was no big deal and went to go another drink the stranger and his friend started talking about beating my father up he came back to where we were and he could tell that i was upset so he tried to grab my shoulder like he does and and so i kept backing up and he kept coming at me even though i kept saying not to touch me i couldn't move anymore because of the crowd and so he grabbed my wrist and dragged me on out the crowd as i tried to get him to let me let go and was pretty much sitting down as he dragged me Security came up to us and told him that he needed to leave, so they escorted us out. I called my brother and told him what happened. He told me to come find him, so I did. My brother then went and yelled at our father. My brother told him to leave and that I would be staying with him for the night. I met who I thought was the love of my life my senior year of high school. I was head over heels for him the moment I saw him. I was so nervous to talk to him that I asked my friend about him. I went to go add him on Facebook, and we were already friends. I messaged him, and I never thought he would respond, but he did and we messaged for a while, and then we talked on the phone all night, and it was the easiest conversation I had. Had. We spent every night talking. We spent every moment we could together. We were, we were deeply in love. His at-home situation was not the best. His parents were also, were also divorced, but he understood. He moved into our house in the extra bedroom. We got engaged in 2016. It was the perfect proposal. We planned our wedding a year out. We were happy and excited to be married. We started to plan everything. My first red flag should have been that everything I wanted for the wedding, I got told no. And that they didn't like it and they didn't want something else. So that is what we did. I didn't get to plan my wedding at all. It was all asking him what he wanted and making that happen. The only thing I got to pick was my dress. And it was still a beautiful wedding, but it wasn't anything that I truly wanted. His mother 
three three months before the wedding, as I was driving her home from my family party because she drank too much, told me that she hates me and my family. She hates me with her son and that she doesn't want me with her son. She hates that we are getting married in the temple because she couldn't see it. She went on for the whole car ride telling me how much she hated me. That should have been my second red flag. She made it so hard to go over over there for anything. As someone that can really not see red flags when I was younger, I could tell you that red flags are hard to see. So do not feel bad because you didn't see them. I hope that now you can and that you are not you are in a relationship where you're happy in. Though yes, it's not it's really hard to see them. They're there. And when you spot them, you can never unsee them. Me and him moved into an apartment after we got married. A few months into being married, he told me that he wanted more time alone and he wanted me to be more independent and not rely on him so much. And I wanted to be around him so much. It really hurt. We worked through that just fine. A few years later, we moved into a house and he got a new job as a tree trimmer for Rocky Mountain Power. The job was great for the pay, but it changed him for the worse. He started to become meaner and meaner. We would go to work parties or go to his co-worker's house and he would make fun of me in front of them so I wouldn't make a scene. He would tell his coworkers everything. He would tell them that my deepest secrets and stuff that I was embarrassed about. He, even, he would even tell them about our sex life, even when I asked him not to. He would compare us to them all the time. He would tell me about his coworkers' sex life, too, which I thought was really weird. He would tell me when they wouldn't get some for their spouses. We we stopped going on dates. We had a joint bank account that all the money went into. He would pay the bills from it. He made more than me, but it got to the point that he was making me pay for everything except the mortgage he would not let me see what was in his account as if i asked he would get mad at me for asking we would only go on dates if i said that i would pay for it we went to dinner one night and everything was good until he was telling me about his co-worker refusing to have sex with him for for, for months and he said that if i ever did that he would either force me to sleep with him or he would go find it somewhere else i was i got rightfully upset and he told me that i was overreacting that he didn't mean it on the, way he told, on the way home, he told me that he was sad that I wouldn't let him go to strip clubs, in which I responded, why would he need to go to one if he had someone to come home to? He responded by saying that it was different because there isn't multiple women pouring shots down his throat. I got pissed again, and he told me that I was overreacting, and I was too sensitive, and that it was a joke. I was very hurt by this. these things. Everything we've, Every time we had an argument. He would say, go ahead and cry like you always do, throw a fit like you always do. I would bring things to him and explain why I I am saying them and how they make me feel and what I wanted what I wanted to change. He would always respond with, I guess I'm just a horrible husband then. He would always turn it on me to make me feel like the bad guy and that it was always my fault. He had a way to make me question everything and think that I was crazy and that that's what I was bringing up didn't actually happen or that it didn't happen the way I thought it did. My nephew passed away in 2018 from a freak accident. My nephew was a, a year and a half old when he died. Before he passed, he was going to the hospital in California on life support. My whole family was going out there to be with him and my brother. I wanted to go, but my ex-husband convinced me to not go. So I'd never got to say goodbye and it crushed me. It was my biggest, it is my biggest regret. The last straw with him was a few years later when a friend of mine's child had unexpectedly passed away. It was the first funeral I was going two since my nephews i asked him to go with me for support and he asked me why i needed him to go with so i explained that it was hard for me to go especially since it was a kid's his response why why do you need me to go you are just going to look at my dead kid it's not a big deal that had crushed me i'm sorry 
he was very unfair to you. And that's not something that I, I think I would be able to like support. And that's not fair to you. He hurt your feelings in more ways than one. He was gaslighting you. That's what it's called. I was trying to find the word. Honestly, you're very strong for enduring it for as long as you did. My hat off to you. After that day, I started to sleep in a spare bedroom alone. I only interacted with him when I had to. November of 2019, I told him that the way he treated me and talked to me made me not want to be alive anymore and that I wanted a divorce. I told my mom about the wanting a divorce. She made us sit down with her, my stepdad, my brother and sister-in-law, and we both said what was going on. My brother told me that all the reasons I wanted a divorce were stupid reasons. My ex-husband told me that I told them that I told him I would rather die than be with him, which is not what I said. For weeks, my family would, would text me telling me how stupid I am. My mom asked me again why I would want to divorce him. I told her about the abuses. She told me that it wouldn't be abuse if I had a better self-esteem. My family told me that they would disown me if I left him and that they would not support me in any way, shape, or form. I felt trapped and no way out, so I stayed. I stayed with him for months after asking for a divorce. I felt like I had no way out, and he traveled to work, so he was gone a lot. We hardly talked or anything. He asked to go to couples counseling, which I agreed, but he never set it up. I will admit that I did find comfort in someone else which I know was a mistake, but I'm not proud of it at all. March of 2020, I had missed a lot of work dealing with all of this. COVID had just hit the U.S. hard. I lost my job, so I called him since he was in town. And all he said was, oh, well, that oh, that sucks. And now we need to talk. I picked him up from his mom's work, his mom's work with my best friend. He sat in the back quiet the whole time and he sat on his phone. He came smiling at his phone like someone does when they were talking to someone they like. I dropped my friend off at our house since she lived there with me. We went back to the park. We went to the park and he said that he wanted a divorce and that he still wanted to be part of my life and that he still cared about me. I was crying. We had a long talk, but ultimately we both agreed that a divorce would be best. I went to my mom bawling that he was leaving and she said, well, he was just getting even since you asked for one first. She then asked me what I did to make him leave and that I must have done something because he wouldn't have just left like that. Please remember, Savannah, him leaving was not your fault. He just wanted a way out. And when you asked for it, he made you look like the bad guy because it was his male ego getting in the way. It is not your fault. Now, once one bit that he left and I'm happy that you got free of that person. We had to do the divorce papers over the phone due to him traveling. He gave me everything. I told him that I could not afford the house and that I also didn't have any money to get my own place. He sold the house anyway and told me that he would give me everything we get from the house to help me out. But when the time came, he took half of it. I was supposed to get an apartment that I couldn't afford. I ended up getting evicted for the, from the app play shortly after moving in. My best friend luckily took me in and gave me a place to live until I could get back on my feet. Me and my family do not have a relationship anymore due to everything. My brother is the only one who apologized for what he said, had said. And he was the only one who checked up on me to see how I was doing and took to make sure that I was okay, not only mentally, but physically as well. I'm still working through all of the trauma. At times, I still question if I have the problem, if I was the problem, or or if I caused all of it, like he made me believe. I have a lot of PTSD from it as well. At times, I, I still react to certain situations. I'm still slowly healing. I turn to writing poems to get my feelings out when I can't say them and have it make sense. Thanks for listening to my story. Well, Savannah. Again, I'm sorry that all this happened to you. I'm sorry that you were hurt so badly that nobody could notice. I'm sorry that you didn't have the support that you needed, but remember something. You are not alone anymore. You have me if you ever want to talk about it, if you ever want to hang out. 
I know that PTSD is not easy. And for those that don't know what PTSD stands for, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's very hard to deal with that in your day-to-day life if you don't know what triggers you. I know that sometimes triggers are easy to tell and sometimes they're not. For someone like me that has age regression PTSD, there's times I don't even know what triggers me. I am proud that you shared your story with me. I'm going to tell you three things. One, you are a very strong person and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Two, the abuse you went through does not define who you are. It's just a part of your story. You will get to a point where you will be able to tell this story and say, this is my story, but this does not make me who I am today. And three, if no one has told you, I am very proud of you for leaving a toxic situation, even if that's not what the world wanted you to do. If you would have stayed in a situation that one, you were unhappy and two, you were unsafe, you wouldn't be the person you are today. I'm happy that you learned to put yourself first. And for those that don't understand what I mean, toxicity in any relationship isn't good. If someone is gaslighting you into thinking you are the problem, then you are not the problem. They are, but they will not admit to the fact that they are the problem because that makes them feel little and they want the person that's next to them to feel little. So they make them think they're the problem. And no, you were never crazy. And things happen the way you describe them. And I'm sorry that someone made you think you were. And to this day, I know that you still think about it. And I can tell you, you are not the problem. It's not your fault. It happened the way you described them. But a person gaslighted you into thinking you were wrong. And that it was your fault. And I apologize for that. If someone has said, I'm sorry. I am sorry that all of this happened to you. And that no one protected you from it. Nobody, Nobody was there to pick you up. Because those pieces aren't easy to fix on your own. They take a whole entire village. And sometimes we forget that when we isolate ourselves. Isolating ourselves doesn't help. Because when you isolate yourself and you put yourself in an island and you cut yourself out from the outside world, the people that generally are meant to be part of your life cannot be there for you. Because you've closed yourself off to the world because you think that you're not worthy. And trust me, you're more than worth it. And one day, You'll know that from the bottom of your heart. Maybe not right now, maybe not in the near future, but you'll find out. And I can tell you that it is not easy. But you will get there and you will heal. It does take time. I did do remember you sharing a poem with me. Let me see if I still have it. And I hope you're okay with me sharing it on here. Guys, you remember, this was a poem that she shared with me, so I would have to look for it. Just give me one second. I know that I will find it because she shared it. And it's, I honestly didn't read it. I, I read a piece of it, but I I was still trying to work my way into finding a way to read it completely. And, you know, sometimes when you get busy, it's not easy. You know what I mean? Let's see if I can find the poem for you. I really want to share something that she wrote. And like I said, 
I hope that she likes that I shared it. I know she gave me permission for her story. Here it is. She shared something called Brave Soul. You are not crazy. The things that happened to you hurt. The things that they said that broke you, your heart, broke your heart. The abuse you endured by their hands and mouth, you endured it. You are not crazy. You lived through the trauma, pain, and unbelievable hurt that has changed you forever. And that makes you a fighter with a memoir of scars and a warrior birthed in the mess of life. What a brave soul you are. I sadly don't think I can open up the note that she sent me, but I'm trying. So let me see if I can get it opened. Honestly, she is not wrong. We were born in the mess that we call life. And that's not easy sometimes to admit to yourself as an individual. I know that from personal experience. I know that because the world tends to hurt you. The poem that she shared with me is called My Mind. My mind tells me that I'm worthless. My mind tells me that I'm not, I'm, I am nothing. My mind tells me that I don't deserve to be loved. My mind tells me that I am unloved. My mind tells me that I'm stupid. My mind tells me that I ruin everything. My mind tells me that I am just a fuck up. My mind tells me that I can't do anything right. My mind tells me that I am a failure. My mind tells me that I am weak. My mind tells me that I am pathetic. My mind tells me that I am emotional. My mind tells me that I am dramatic. I know that none of that is true. And no, it is not true. But also, a part of me believes it all. I shut down and push others away. I stop talking and try to be alone. I shut myself out from the world. And I push others away because I don't deserve to be cared about. I get irritated at the little things. I get emotional and sometimes cry. And I won't tell you what is wrong. I live in fear from past trauma. I think that no one truly cares. I think that no one wants to deal with my problems. I think that I don't deserve that love I get from the significant other. I think that I am worthless. I think that I don't deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to feel loved and cared for. And you have a lot of people in your life that care for you. Don't ever forget that. It might not be the people that are biologically related to you because family is not always someone that is biologically related to you sometimes family or your friends the people that you feel closest to the people that you can talk to and I am one of them I do care and you are never alone and I promise you that whatever your mind is telling you is a lie because you are an amazing person and I would know because I have the privilege of knowing you as a friend and I'm also helping you with other things and we talked about it before and that's not something I'm going to share because that's a more personal conversation. Being in fear is normal. It comes with healing. Life begins where fear ends. Remember that. And you will be happy again. And you might be now. Because I don't know completely. I think you are. And I hope you are. You might be struggling. But I promise you that is okay. Struggling is okay. Because life is not meant to be perfect. And life is not meant to be black and white. Life is meant to be full of color. And it does take time. I know that from experience. I promise you, you will, you might be walking, you might have walked into a storm, I think, in 2020. And feel like you're still in that storm. 
remember something. When you walk out of that storm, you might not be the same person you were when you walked in, and that is okay. It doesn't matter that no one understands what you're going through. It, it doesn't matter that it hurts you because only you understand that trauma. The people that are in your life that you've talked to and told them your story understand. I do. Maybe your story will help someone out there. You know what my advice to you is? The biggest, the biggest mistake some of us make in life is letting people stay in life far longer than they deserve. I am happy that you have realized that those people are not the, the people that hurt you have no need to be in your life. One more thing. Everything is going to be okay in the end. Even if it's not okay then or right now, it's not the end yet. And trust me, when you get out of that storm, it will be the end of your trauma and you'll be okay. You'll feel happy again. Or like I like to say, Sometimes you have to cry all the sadness out of your heart that comes with the trauma you lived with to be able to smile and fill your heart with happy memories. Guys, this is her story. I know it's a different perspective because you didn't hear her. Maybe one day I can get her to get on here. I don't make any promises, but she's very shy. She's a sweet girl. And I, it hurts that I, when I read this story, I wanted to cry and I wanted to run to the rescue of that version of her. And punched a person that was hurting her. So yes, we don't resort to violence. And then yes, I know. I think I made a joke that you know I do mental violence, not physical violence. So a lot of my, a lot of people think that I will do physical violence. I promise you, I won't. Never have. It's not easy sometimes to share our stories the way we want them to. But I'm happy she still did it, and I'm proud of her for doing it. I'm here. If any of you want to continue to share your stories with me, if you would love to do an interview with me, I would not mind. I enjoy doing those other episodes more than sitting down and finding what to tell you today. I will try to incorporate more advice into my episodes from now on. My advice to Savannah is you made it through the darkest parts of your life and you will continue to shine bright even if you don't see it, but everybody around you can. I'm proud of you. You are strong. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And if you have any more you want to share, you can write it into me and I'll gladly share it on here. Because I know that people might find this perspective a little different, but I hope they like it. Like I know I did. I enjoyed reading it. But yes, I started a little bit. It's just, it's been a while since I've been on the mic telling you guys a story or just in general talking to you. So are you there? And again, thank you for coming back to Trauma and Healing Go Hand in Hand. I will try to see you guys next week. And now remember, I do have a Patreon. I think my link is available on my other, on my last two episodes. You guys want to go and support me on there. I still haven't really learned how to do it. I have one tier ready to go. Um, if you want to also support me here, you can subscribe if you want. I'm, the subscriptions that you guys will be paying for monthly will be to help me grow my podcast, buy more equipment for it, because I have a mic. Still learning how to use them, I'm not going to lie. But I will appreciate any help that you guys give me. If you guys want to share the podcast with your friends, by all means. And thank you. And again, have a good day, guys. Bye.